Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor of Fightful.com and FightfulWrestling.com here. It is Wednesday, February 7th. It is The List and your boy. Joined by Jimmy Van. That, that big websites try to take from me all the time. Oh, I am. I love it. Oh, did you? Like a meme generator, yeah. Oh, is he going to make memes for me too? Well, I assume that because you're so racist, you're also sexist. <laughs> Nobody can hear Jimmy. I can hear you fine. So they can hear me, and that's all that matters. This this will be on the outtakes. Eventually, I will release the list in your boy outtakes. Man, Wirecast is trash. Yeah. Oh, I. So as as Jimmy pointed out, you all can't hear him. He said it's been a while since we had outtakes. I actually found like fifteen solid minutes of outtakes on our on our YouTube backend that were unlisted that I saved just because I was like, this will be fun. So I'm, I'm carrying that, and somebody's saying, hey, Nigel, would having Sean host at work? No, it wouldn't be as fun. It wouldn't be as fun. Plus, I don't have the clips necessary from the Raven interview. So, ah, you know, 
I also, you know, due, due to your green screen, your 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 little shower curtain <laughs> gimmick. That Jimmy's over here bitching about my green screen. I'm allowed to talk over him right now because you can't <laughs> hear him anyway. True, true. Jimmy, you're giving me another race? Another one? I'm so Don't I'm say so... anything if you agree. What's that oh, audience? Oh, we got we got a thumbs up. We got a thumbs up. I think we're good. Yeah. I'm back. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> there you go. Thank what? you, thank you to Derek on my team. What what do you call the people that stand out the window when they like tell you things are good? Like there's a there's a person that does that, right? Yeah, I thought you were gonna ask what his job was. Yeah, no, not here. <laughs> no. Come on, I hired the guy. I know what what his job is. I know that's why I was like the one um, wrestling fan in the office, Derek. But in in the world of audio, there's a guy that isn't there that does stuff like that. Yeah, usually there's like engineers. Engineer, Derek, you're my you're my podcast engineer because <laughs> he stood here and gave us the thumbs up that everything was good to go. So, uh, God, I, I'm just completely thrown off. So, what I was gonna say, you hired a a meme generator guy. I hired a meme creator White because, guy. as I was saying to Sean, that nobody could hear. Sean has been doing a lot of recruiting for like associate editors and writers and stuff. I recruited a meme generator. Uh, and I did it so that I can create my own memes. And I got the idea after last week's show when you were doing your Uso lockdown impersonation. And I found a meme generator. They're going to remain anonymous. I found a meme generator to, to, to do what I need done. And here's the first one that they did for me last week. Can I talk over this? Should be able to. Okay, so this was basically done because Sean now with uh, oh, look at oh, look at the face. Did you like that one, by the way? <laughs> I did. I loved it. And is it not true that you were Animal from the Muppets last week? In in that regard, yes, I was. My yes, wife you were. thought that was hilarious. By the way, awesome, awesome, good. So I'm going to continue to uh, to come up with stuff like that just because I don't know. I guess I got the time, Sean. I don't know. I guess so. I mean, hey. I've increased our, our digital footprint across YouTube. Hey, guys, quick plug, YouTube.com slash Fightful. I am posting clips from our shows, all kinds of stuff, go. good talking points. I want to generate some discussion. Okay, well, let me let me ask you this question, generate for discussion. So we're doing this on February 7th, and I yep. noticed today on Twitter that there was a lot of people, including you, talking about the whole Montreal was a work thing. Like, how did this come up Shit. today? How did this I thought come up? You, I thought you were going to talk about how trash the new Snapchat update was. I don't use Snapchat. Oh, well, you're lucky because I'm about to <laughs> not Snapchat. I am so not the demo. Piss a beat ahead of Snapchat. Oh, it's garbage. But the Montreal thing, it, people still bring it up. Like, it's a work. It's how did work. it come up know. today? I don't know. It's it's been popping up over the last week. Like, Has it? I don't know where. I think it's something Meltzer related. Like people bringing it up to him, and I just joked that it was a work because they wanted to get rid of Crush. Ah, uh, well, you know that a lot of pro wrestlers think it was a work. Yeah, and and I know I've, I've seen interviews with guys like Bill Eady, uh, yeah. Demolition Axe. He thinks it was a work. I saw an interview with uh, Dave Meltzer. I don't know how this stuff just is coming to me, but I saw an interview with Dave Meltzer by uh, Hannibal, Devin Nicholson. Yeah. And he brought that up to Meltzer, and Meltzer said, I can understand because of the carny nature mentality of pro wrestlers, I can understand them thinking it was a work. Meltzer oh, was like, course. I was close enough to Bret Hart. It absolutely was not a work. I believe it was absolutely not a work. But, I agree. Uh, I, was telling, I was telling Nigel off the air, like, this is a business of workers. I always uh, say that because, you know, wrestling media has a big hurdle to overcome anyway. I had somebody accusing me on Twitter today of <laughs> making up the Rusev calendar stuff. And what? I was like, yeah, yeah. No, I can't go too much into that. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But I was What's like, the if benefit you think, of doing like, that? Exactly. And I'm like, I told Nigel, like, I probably report about 
40 to 50% of what's given to me because uh, you have to decipher uh, what's real and what's not real. And this is a business full of workers who want to further agendas and, yeah. and you know, politic their way into things. And they'll use the media to do that yeah. as well. So you have to see what's real and what's not. You know, it's, I find this day and age, it's worse than ever in terms of the whole fake news thing. There is a thing. Do you know who Eugenie Bouchard is? I do not. So she's a Canadian tennis player. And she uh, she was doing well at first, but unfortunately, uh, she's like you know an attractive young girl, and I think that sure. I think that the social media aspect of things has kind of gotten to her head a little bit. And so uh, last year, I think she didn't. I don't think she got past the first round of any major tournament last year. Meanwhile, she's now a heavy social media influencer. She's kind of going in that direction. And there was a thing at the Super Bowl last year where there was a guy who, who was playing last year, and one of the teams was like way behind in the game. Patriots and Falcons. Patriots made a like historic comeback. Comeback. So when they were losing, a guy uh, tweeted Bouchard and said, "If the Patriots come back and win, will you take me on a date?" And she <laughs> said, and she thought for sure there's no chance that they're going to win. Yeah. And she said, "You got it." And they came back and won. And she took him courtside to a, to an NBA game. And since then, uh, every now and then she posts, "Oh hey, look who I'm seeing again this week," and all this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm bringing this up to talk about fake news. So they just went to the Super Bowl this year because the NFL invited them to go. Sure, yeah. Uh, and as part of the deal, they had to do a fan Q&A. Mm -hmm. And they were asked, are you guys really dating? And both of them were quick to try to change the subject because in reality, she has a boyfriend that's a pro hockey player. <laughs> but, be but because right now her tennis career is not really going yeah. well, social media right now is where she's making money, and so she doesn't want to fuck that up. So they're, they're continuing with this whole Twitter date thing, yeah. even though in reality she has a boyfriend and it's not him. So that's Ugh. that's the world we live in now, man. It's fake news every it day. It is. You know? It is. I uh, I want to talk about the Rusev thing, uh, just because uh, I don't know how much you want to say. I don't want to get you in trouble or anything. But this Rusev thing, uh, one thing I love about this is that I've talked before about social media and how there's like cons and pros of social media, right? You got the trolls and all that on the negative side. One of the pros is that it gives you more access to people in the public eye and it gives people in the public eye more access to their fan base. And when you tweeted that they sold out on the first run of calendars uh, and they ordered 5,000 more, I think you said, yeah. I retweeted that to Rusev and Rusev responded like the next day. Yeah. Uh, and that normally wouldn't would have been no way that you could possibly have possibly done that before. And now that happens all the time, you know? Yeah, all the time. We're always having... Uh wrestlers, MMA fighters, people like that, tweeting, retweeting our stories, things like that. And it helps because 15 years ago, that was not an option, period. Like right. even if you did an interview with somebody, like how are they getting it out there? Are they going to post it on their official website? Right, yeah. That's it. And is he getting over now, Sean? Yeah, he's, he's been over. He's super over. He I reminds me, on him last night. He reminds me of the Yes Chant phenomenon in the, in the way that the Rusev Day thing is taking over the crowd now. Even when he's not out there, it's taking over the crowd. And I was watching SmackDown last night, and for some reason, I don't know how this popped into my head, and you just mentioned Bloodsport off the air. Yeah. And I don't know how I thought of this last night, but I was watching Rusev, and for some reason, I thought of Chong Lee. Chong Lee? Who the hell's that? Chong Lee was the villain that fought Jean-Claude Van Damme's character in Bloodsport. Like the main, the main, the yeah, main yeah, yeah. guy. And if you look up Chong Lee, not only does Chong Lee and Rusev have a very similar physique, very similar, but Rusev, when the crowd does the Rusev day chant, he goes, he pumps his fist and he goes with his head like this. That's yeah. what Chong Lee did when the crowd chanted his name. 
Yeah, WWE's fighting the fact that Rusev is over like so hard. Like they had Aiden English go out there and heal the crowd last yes. night. Yes, but then but then he Stupid. was with the crowd too. He was yeah, but I mean, like, why heal them? Just yeah. sing the song. You know why, Sean? Because Vincent Mann thinks that foreigners are bad guys. Yeah. He said, he, he's actually said so. Oh, really? Yeah, there, one time he was on a podcast, and there was a wrestler named Cesaro that was really popular, and they turned him bad guy for really no reason. And uh, and Vince Man was asked by Stone Cold Steve Austin, who did the podcast, about what do, what do you think is happening with Cesaro? And Vince is like, I don't know, maybe it's because he's Swiss? He actually said that. So, yeah, if you are not American, you might be a bad guy in the world of Vince Man. Although, Shinsuke Nakamura, maybe he's changing his ways a little bit. Yeah. I want to... Uh, Let's get into the Corey Graves Booker T thing, Sean. Now, yeah, let's do it. So my opinion, you can give your opinion in a minute. My opinion is that this is much ado about nothing, but uh, but, I, but we'll get into it. So uh, last week, WWE announced that they'd rehired Jonathan Coachman and that he was going to be uh, doing commentary on Raw on Monday nights. They pulled Booker T off commentary. He's now going to be doing the kickoff shows, which is what he used to do. Um, yeah. This led to uh, Booker T going on his Heated Conversations podcast on Radio.com. It was on the Saturday, February 3rd edition, and he called it Corey Graves. And I uh, got a few quotes. He said, Corey Graves has been throwing jabs at me. I've been doing the same. Corey Graves is a college-educated young man. His vernacular is a little different than mine. Uh, I'm not going to read all the quotes, but he basically said, if I see him on the street, I'm going to beat him up. That's basically what he said. And this is another quote. He said, I get mean if you mess with my green. Right now, my green is being messed with. And then Corey Graves on February 5th posted on Twitter. Nigel, for some reason, I think that you'll recognize this. For some reason. Okay. Uh, he posted on Twitter this quote. Thus, the expert in battle moves the enemy and is not moved by him. Which is a quote from Sun Ju. Do you know who that is? I knew he would know, Sean. I knew he would know. So he posted that quote, and then uh, on Raw Commentary this week, Corey Graves at one point said to Jonathan Coachman, watch out, Coach, or pretty soon you're going to be doing afternoon radio locally. <laughs> uh, and then to take it even farther, on SmackDown this week, the New Day were answering tweets backstage, and apparently one of the things that they were asked is, uh, does Corey Graves have a better, I think it was an uppercut or left hook? Yes. Um, what do you think and they said this? they said this is a- they said they gave him a 6% chance of winning a street winning fight. Winning a street fight, right. The, the beautiful thing about Booker T, no matter what he says, <coughs> it's hard to tell if he's working or shooting. Yes. No matter what it is. And I love that about him. Yes. He was never meant to be a long-term uh, player in the commentary role, even though I thought that he made it more fun than anybody. Right. Anybody in recent memory because he would make Michael Cole and Corey Graves get out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Corey Graves spoke very highly of him recently in an interview with, with I, I think, Edge and Christian. But he said he's like, you never know what he's going to say, and sometimes he cracks me up on the air. At the same time, though, Corey Graves, he he would – here's the thing about Corey Graves to me, and this is my opinion. I don't know Corey Graves personally. I think he's done a really good job on commentary. I think he's very articulate. I think he's very intelligent. Uh, but at the same time, to me as a viewer, he comes off as an apprentice of Michael Cole. And Everybody – Everybody does except for Booker, in my yes, opinion. Yes, and, and to me, that's a bad thing because Michael Cole, with all due respect to him, he's been there 20 years and he's got great tenure. Michael Cole is the ultimate corporate shill. He's the ultimate kiss-ass yeah. personality. Uh, and I feel like Corey Graves is going down that road, which is why now, if they're being told on the headset by this man, make sure you get in, you know, the, the architect. If he wants you to say it 20 times, Corey Graves will say it 40 times. And he annoys me because he comes off like such a kiss-ass corporate shill type. And uh, that's just my opinion as a, as a viewer. 
But uh, so I, I do kind of wonder. I mean, he's been on the main roster 18 months. He's already doing now Raw and SmackDown. I question if maybe he's getting a little big for his britches all of a sudden. Maybe he's getting a little big-headed all of a sudden. But I think that Booker is just – I think it's a work because, like you yeah. said, I think Booker knew this is not a permanent gig. I was filling in for David Otunga when he was filling a movie. They decided they didn't want to go back to David Otunga, but I was never – this was a fill-in thing for him. Because uh, Booker's got a lot of other stuff going on aside from his WWE stuff. He's got his own training school. He's got his own podcast, and he does uh, convention signings and stuff like that. But uh, I do think that there's some truth to what, to what Booker said, especially when he talked about, oh, they're messing with my green. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to you know, be you know, hiding out in an alleyway waiting for Corey Graves to walk by. I think he's just and, – and especially we realize Booker's got a past. He went to prison and, and he beat up Batista and everything. Booker T does not have the reputation of being one of these loose cannons that, you know, oh, if you, if you, you know, push the wrong button, I'm going to punch you in the face. He doesn't have that reputation. He's got the reputation of being a pretty nice down-to-earth guy. So I think it's I- – uh, I, I want to know who you think would win in a street fight because Corey Graves. Okay, before you, before you're like, oh, wow, Booker T can't do a spin a Rooney anymore. He had elbow surgery last year. So does that he's mean fit- that it's it's done for Booker T because he can't do a spin a Rooney? Maybe, maybe he's 52 years old. He can't work anymore. Uh huh. But maybe he's got it in him. With maybe all due respect, he's got that last one in him. With all due respect to Corey Graves, I realize there's a 20-year age difference. With all due respect to Corey Graves, my money's on Booker T all day. If it was going to be an actual fight between Booker T and Corey Fair. Graves, my money's on Booker all day in that one. Corey Fair. Graves, to me, is about as intimidating as Michael Cole. I'm just being honest. Michael Cole's in great shape right now. That's nice. So you think he's going to beat Booker T in a fight, too? Yeah, he might. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Booker T will challenge him. Maybe. Well, he was teasing on his podcast about let's do a fight at WrestleMania. Yeah. But uh, it's all – I think it's all in jest. I don't think he's he's looking to beat up Corey Graves. Like I said, I do yeah. think that there is there is maybe a little bit of, damn it, I'm not making as much money as I was. But he knew it was not a permanent thing. So I think he's just playing. I think that's all it is. No payoff for this at all. Maybe a podcast no. appearance. Maybe, maybe. But again, like I said, I, I, I think Corey's got talent, and I think he's a smart guy, but uh, he does annoy me just because Michael Cole is such a corporate shill type. And all these years, there are a lot of times when I have to kind of try to, you know, ignore Michael Cole on commentary sometimes. And Graves now is starting to get there. I mean, I, I tweeted a couple things on Monday. They said the architect like 18 times in 30 seconds. It was just ridiculous. And this is, this is the, the era. This is what you got to deal with in this era, you know? Yeah. So, so like, and, and so so often to me, commentary takes away from the show. Yes, absolutely. and it really hurts. There was an exception NXT Takeover recently. I thought Port, Percy Watts and Amaro did a great job, but other than that, usually commentary takes away from me because really a lot of the production takes away from me. Uh, one of the first mixed match challenges I saw didn't really because they didn't use the zoom and the cuts as much. You could tell that. Like, Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon don't have as much to do with that as, as other shows, but there's nothing wrong with being simplistic if simplistic works. And they, they just go above and beyond way too much with the nicknames and the O's and the Zooms and the cuts and all that stuff. People just want to watch what's on the screen. Agreed. Agreed. I don't know why they decided to implement these elements. I mean, I, I know that Vince has long said, uh, oh, you know, we make movies. And... It's almost like they just want to prove that they can, they're capable of doing it. But I, I agree with you. All you need is just a few cameras 
And uh, I had that interview with WCW producer Neil Pruitt. It's it's the full one's up now, by the way, guys. To go check it out. <clears throat> he said, "Why do you hire these wrestlers? Like, if you're not going to trust them to make what they do look good, right?" He's right. like, "That's why you're paying them all that money and uh, zooming in like that or cutting like that upon impact, like." takes away from some of the damage that they are yep. experiencing. I agree. They always tend to do it during brawls and run-ins and stuff like that. And, yeah, I'd, I'd much rather just watch the guy putting the boost to somebody than have the camera zoom in and out on every kick. You know, like, to me, it's not as effective. And I, I just don't know why they do it. Uh, I want to move on, and I want to talk about John Cena. And it's so weird, Sean, because for so long, I was not a fan of John Cena. Uh, for, for reasons, you know, some of which are out of his control. The booking is out of his control. We've heard, I think it was in Dan O'Brien's book where he acknowledged that Vincent Mann would always say, John's got to go over. John's got to look strong. And that was the director from Vincent Mann. And that's kind of out of Cena's hands. But for a long time, uh, I was annoyed by his Superman push. I was annoyed by the stupid neon colors all the time that are targeting children and just found him annoying. Uh, I have come to really respect John Cena. Because not only did he keep a hell of a schedule when he was a full-time guy, bigger schedule, harder schedule than anybody, but now here he is, he's in the twilight of his career, probably only has a couple years left, and he has embraced a role now where he is putting other guys over and not seeming to have a problem with it. I mean, in the past, he put over Daniel Bryan, he put over AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, put them all over clean. Just in the last month, I mean, Raw 25, Elias beat him down. That was their most viewed show of... X number of years, and he let Elias beat him down in the middle of the ring. Then on, on Raw this week with the triple threat, when's the last time that you saw John Cena work a triple threat match where he spent the whole match basically like the scrub of the match? And he was relying on another guy in the match, man, you got to partner with me because we got to take out this dominant force. When's the last time you saw John Cena do a role like that in a match? Been a bit, well, I mean, kind of Survivor Series essentially, but uh, other than that, not, not a lot. It was very unusual to see him, and, and, and the facials looking so concerned about Braun, and he kept on looking to Elias to help him out, and, and who took the pinfall? John Cena did. From Elias. I, that's that's going to be one of those things, like, like Jericho saying that he beat The Rock and Steve Austin right. in the same night. Elias will forever be able to say in promos, I beat John Cena and Braun Strowman in the same match. Right, right. Well, I, I, I much respect John Cena for doing that, because we've seen a lot of guys before him, once they reach a certain position, they would never do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, even Stone Cold, although he has since said what a regret it was, Stone Cold was told, you're putting Brock Lesnar over tonight, and Stone Cold went home. I right? understood Stone Cold's position. Like, I mean, even think now. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Brock Lesnar. Oh, yeah. That Big is matchup. a pay-per-view match. That yes, is a pay-per-view is. match, or at the very least, that is a match you say in two weeks on Raw. Right. The headline, I remember one time on Lucha Underground, Dario Cueto. It made so much sense. I think it was Tejano or Alberto Del Rio busted into his office and says, I want the other guy tonight. And he said, uh, tough shit, maybe in maybe next week or the week after so I can promote the match. Well, that was KO's gimmick for a while. Yeah. His gimmick was, I'm a prize fighter. Why the hell am I going to fight you now? Right? So that makes sense. But I just I, I respect that Cena's out of position now. He can do whatever he wants. And if Cena told Vince, I don't, you know, I'm not really feeling that, you know, putting Elias over, he wouldn't have had to do it. And he, and he did, and I, I respect him for it. Uh, now, going on to Braun Strowman, you know, Vincent Mann has a reputation of changing his mind a lot, Sean. I don't know if he's changed his mind, but tell me if you agree or disagree. The end of Raw on Monday night, Braun Strowman's the top babyface in the company, not Roman Reigns. 
Yeah, I, th- I think he's been the top baby face for about six months now. Like, but I don't just mean the fan reaction. I don't just mean that. I mean his positioning. Because they ended Raw with him laying out the other two guys. They ended Raw with him standing on the corner looking at the people. Roman Reigns is in the showers by this point. And Braun is the one that they ended the show with. And I watched that just thinking to myself, he's the guy. I mean, not just in crowd response. He's the guy in the way, the way that they're positioning him. Do you think that Vincent Mann has changed his mind? And either they're going to have Braun win the Elimination Chamber and go to WrestleMania, or they're going to add Braun to the match and make it a triple threat. I think after, uh, if you go with Reigns, I think that the chase with Braun Strowman as the Shades of Grey babyface against Roman Reigns, Shades of Grey heel, Grey heel with the title, I think that's your... And I mean really, not just not just have Roman Reigns be like, Oh, I, I am the guy. Let him be a little nasty. Let him be a little dickish. I mean, he's done that already for, for a while. Yeah, just know. let let it just go forth with it. I mean, yeah. sometimes you know they they like the thing where it's polarizing and stuff. Yeah. Well, sometimes just pulling the trigger on being an asshole can make that person later become beloved. We've seen yep. it a, a ton of times and. Right now, you got two hot characters in Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns, and they've had a billion matches. Yeah. It's also not very often, Jimmy, that you have a feud with a billion matches already that could still be as hot as it once was. And see, and I actually, I, I question if Roman Reigns is a hot character. I question. That. I think, I think he is because I mean, people people make noise for him, man. Like they do. It's true. It's true. But people they make... make noise for him, and they 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 react to him, and especially if he's in there with Braun Strowman. Mm. It's just one of those – like, you know, Sami Zayn doesn't always seem like a top guy or an upper mid-card guy, but you throw him in there with KO and you know that he's always going to deliver in that role. Mm. He always makes it He always makes it special. Uh, I think that WrestleMania is going to be very, very interesting this year, particularly in the night after, about yep. what WWE is willing to do and how they listen to a crowd. So the rumor right now is that uh, The Miz and Braun are going to interact in the Elimination Chamber. That's the rumor. There's going to be some interaction with those two. Maybe The Miz will somehow cost Braun the match somehow inadvertently. Uh, but the rumor is they're going to interact and it's going to lead to a match at WrestleMania between those two. That would be a fun match. Because, yeah, be. you know, Miz, that's a perfect spot for The Miz to be that chicken shit heel against a guy like Braun Strowman. That'd be a fun match. Uh, but at the same time, I think Brock versus Roman, I think the crowd's going to shit on that so hard. So hard. I- I draw a lot of comparisons from Braun Strowman to the Road Warriors because he is this big, brute, badass son of a bitch, but he doesn't often get outsmarted. And the Road Warriors didn't often get outsmarted either. So that's like a little bit of an underrated thing because I think that's one of the reasons he's so popular because he can flip over ambulances and all that stuff, but he can also outsmart you. And if there's one guy that I would buy on WWE TV that would outsmart Braun Strowman, it's a guy in the Miz who has had to outsmart every single person to get everything that he has in that company. So right. I, I would I'm really interested in that and I think they can make it a lot of fun. I think it'd be a fun match. I agree. I think it'd be a fun match. Uh I want to talk about Nia Jax for a second. Sure. And and this is not Nia Jax's fault, but you know, one one habit WWE has had for decades is that they rewrite their own history. Right, And they've done it so many times. And I'm not just talking attendance numbers and stuff like that. They actually rewrite their own history as far as what they booked. They rewrite it. And I thought of that when I was watching Nia Jax's promo uh, on Raw talking about Asuka. And for some reason, I thought of Hogan versus Andre at WrestleMania 3. That's what came into my head. Because before Hogan versus Andre at WrestleMania 3, WWE claimed that uh, they had never wrestled before. 
even though six years prior they had a big feud in WWE, including the Shea Stadium match. But they claimed they had never wrestled before. They claimed Andre had never been slammed, even though Hogan slammed them when they had their previous run together. And they claimed that Andre was undefeated for 15 years, which which was an absolute fallacy. Uh, but back in the day, you could get away with saying that because it was territorial and there wasn't a yeah. lot of TV to prove it. But the other stuff, they had their own TV that proved that they were lying. So Nia Jax is doing this promo, and uh, she says uh, she's the one woman on the roster that Asuka can't beat. And now I am not as big in NXT as you are in terms of remembering dates and remembering shows and stuff like that, but I do remember matches. And I remember Asuka beating Nia Jax in NXT clean. Uh, and I went and looked it up the date because I wanted to, you know, get it all right. It was uh, NXT TakeOver the end in June of 2016. She pinned her clean, one, two, three. Uh, a lot of today's fan base knows that. Yes. And so it makes me question. It's one thing 30 years ago when there, when there wasn't a lot of nationwide TV, although, again, 30 years ago, any fan that had been watching WWE for five years, they would have known that Hogan and Andre wrestled before, and they would have known that Hogan slammed them. But yeah. This day and age, I'd say a big percentage of their fan base knows that Asuka beat Nia Jax in NXT. Why did they continue to rewrite history? Because to me, it's it's insulting as a viewer when I know damn well that Asuka beat Nia Jax already. Beat her by TKO injury like three right. weeks ago. Beat her a million times on NXT house shows. Beat her at TakeOver the End, as you mentioned. I mean, it's not hard to find out that Asuka has beaten Nia Jax like a dozen times in one-on-one matches, especially when it was on TV. That's the point. I mean, house shows, I can I can accept house shows. Yeah, they're, they're not always but, in canon. They, they pick and choose. Yeah, but TV for sure. And, and again, I'm not a casual viewer, but I'm also not as hardcore as a lot of viewers are. But again, as soon as she said it, I knew uh, Asuka beat her in NXT. I knew it because I saw it. And so yeah. I, I just question why they choose to do that. And then what, what also makes it interesting is they have no problem acknowledging that Drake Maverick is formerly known as Rockstar Spud, even though he was formerly known as Rockstar Spud on a television show that does 300,000 viewers a week in the U.S. But they yeah. still felt the need to acknowledge that. Meanwhile, Asuka beat Nia Jax on a show that did far more viewers, and they pretended it didn't happen. Isn't that? It doesn't yeah, make any I sense. It an doesn't make sense. That's that's real weird, man. It is. Weird. That's real weird. It doesn't make sense at all. Maybe maybe next week they can claim Kurt didn't win the gold medal at the Olympics. You know, maybe that's going to be a big one. It gets a little. Maybe much. maybe Kurt's going to going to say, okay, now I'm going back to being an in ring competitor because I finally want to win the WWE Championship. I could see him facing Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. I'll tell you that. Why much. Seth Rollins? Well, what happened was... Because of Jason Jordan? Yeah. I can see that happening. I don't know if that's a match I want to see, Sean. Well, I'll tell you a match that I am going to see. Me and Anna are going to do a fightful alternate commentary for Raven versus Big Show versus Kane from WrestleMania 2001, one of the more fun matches. I talked to Raven this week, and it took me forever to nail this guy down, Jimmy. Uh Uh-huh. By like the way, that's six... that's that's one of your best segues ever. Just so you know, that was a good one. Oh, it was. It's not even top twenty. <laughs> it took me literally six months to nail it down. Uh, here are a couple. Uh, here's the first of a couple segments. The full interview will be released on Fightful this week or this weekend. Take a listen. On our site, we're, we're looking back at some of the more fun WrestleMania moments, and I thought that like the one that came to mind for me was WrestleMania 17, that hardcore match. Right, right. That was just a blast to rewatch. There, there's spots where you go through the window, and then you jacked a golf cart, and you drove it straight into a gate. 
but but I ruined the greatest spot in the history of WrestleMania. I was going to ask you how that how that was supposed to go. Yeah, we were supposed to get chased. We were supposed to be driving, and Big Show's choking me while I'm driving, and we drive all the way around the building with Kane <laughs> driving behind us in hot pursuit. But well, what happened was I drove. I, I there's the fence. That the, there's a fence. It yeah. looks like a wall fence. So I thought if I careened into it and bounced off, that it would look cool because I'm getting choked by a 400-pound guy. But instead, <laughs> I hit the fence, didn't give back anything, and I just jumped off, fell off the curb. And then, uh, But the best part is, is I came within millimeters of turning off the power to the entire building. Oh, no. Yeah, there's, uh, one of the crew guys came up to me later and said, do you have any idea how close you came? I go, what do you mean? He goes... You were within millimeters of, of running over the cable that supplied power to the entire building. Oh, man. So h- how does, like, a, a Vince McMahon or somebody react to that spot that had, had been planned out and not going the way that it was intended? Because it seemed like uh, you think, recovered quickly. I think because I ran, I got, I let myself get run over by Kane, I think <laughs> that changed the, it changed the scorecard really quick. Because the bump looks so dangerous, yeah. That I guess they forgot about it. You know, it's like when it's like when you hit your brother and you let him hit you to make it okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so except uh, he hits you, and except he hits you in an ad. Yeah. And then you went through a window. Like that was that was just one of the more fun WrestleMania matches I can ever remember. Like so much of this stuff. Like today, you you won't see. And even back then, you're like, I can't believe that just happened. And I think just the visual of Kane getting in, into a golf cart was more than worth it. Uh, well, you know, here's the, here's the funny thing is they wanted me, they was like, all right, so leave your jacket on so you can go through the window. I'm like, why would I leave my jacket on? I go, it doesn't make any sense. They go, yeah, well, we want to protect you. I go, I go, I can't. I go, it'll look too stupid. If I'm wrestling the whole match with my jacket on, I go, in fact, I go, I want to take my shirt off because if I'm going to go through glass, I want to get all cut up. But that just didn't work out. For, I forget why. But uh, but the glass doesn't hurt anyway. I mean, sure. it's car window glass, <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't come out jagged. It comes out in, in in little bits. Yeah. So I mean, it's really safe. I but s- they were really worried about it. I mean, and they don't even like me. <laughs> they were worried about it. What what kind of relationship do you have, or have you had recently with? With WWE, have you ever, have you done any network stuff? Like, have they contacted you for any reason? I mean, I mean, I know you had a lawsuit, so yeah, I'd I'm, I'm back too... to I'm back to persona non grata, I assume. <laughs> ahead of ahead of the lawsuit, how was it? I was actually um, I did a couple of uh, DVDs, uh, the Paulie one, and I think one with Bubba and RVD about the hardcore title. Yeah, but um, so. I just think that, and and then apparently, like, my minions always send me when I make a list. Yeah. Like, I was on all kinds of lists, you know. But I just think that Vince didn't know about those, because I don't think he would have approved. You know, I don't think, I don't think he, uh, I've been persona non grata there for a long time. So I just think that uh, when I got put in those stuff and those lists, I don't think anybody in the Vince level reads them or, you know, or care. Yeah, right hand, not knowing what the left hand's doing with, with digital and stuff. They'll, they'll often put people like that in there. All right, you guys are back. 
Guys, definitely check out the Raven Effect podcast. That was I, I heard some of that last year, and I was like, man, I got to get him for an interview because a lot of these guys, especially Raven, he may had he used to have a bit of a reputation for being difficult to deal with and mm-hmm. stuff, and you would see interviews and. It was a little tough. It was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. I had a lot of fun talking to him, and he even admitted to me afterwards he wasn't looking forward to it. But then afterwards, he was like, "You know what? You're pretty good at this." Yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna talk to him again in a couple of months because there was a lot of stuff I didn't even get to touch on in that interview. But uh, he will also be my first guest, my first subject on a new feature I'm doing. I don't have a name for it yet, but I'm going to be examining the anatomy of a finishing move with each wrestler. That's cool. And he uh, takes me into his line of thinking and using the even flow, how he perfected it, why he changed the name of it, who took it the worst, which was a funny story. Uh, it was the Sandman. So, I mean, I figure telling people that would be better than keeping people guessing because <laughs> it's also was, no surprise. Yeah, it's not a surprise at all. No, no. He was not yeah, exactly, uh, he was not exactly that, Kurt Angle in the ring. Exactly. The Sandman, so, yeah. yeah. But I get that full interview with Raven coming up this week, and you'll hear more from it. But definitely check out his podcast, guys. It is a lot of fun. Can't believe that was Johnny Polo. Right? How or is Scotty that possible? Flamingo. Or Scotty Flamingo. One of the things I talked to him it's about amazing. in the interview is the fact that he and Pierre reunited like three months ago. In Montreal? For an indie spot. Yeah. Oh, really? And, he, and uh, they, it may be in the second clip. I can't remember. Or it might be in the full interview. But they did the Quebecers finish. Like oh, he they pitched, did. He pitched the idea of doing the Quebecers finish, and the place came unglued. Really? Really? Yeah, yeah I can't believe those Johnny Polo. Uh, all right, let's talk about Jason Jordan. I know you guys talked about it on the post-Smackdown show this week. So um, it looked like he was written off TV on Monday because Kurt Angle basically told him, go home until you're medically cleared. Then his wife, Jason Jordan's wife, posted on social media basically saying, don't listen to the, uh, don't listen to the websites. It's not a serious thing, whatever. But then uh, yesterday, February 6th, WWE.com announced that he underwent surgery to repair a neck injury. Uh, They were calling it a minimally invasive posterior cervical microdiscectomy. And, uh, yeah, that's right. I got it out. And uh, WWE's medical director, Dr. Joseph Maroon, said that they decided to do it now to decompress the nerve and to allow it to heal. And there's no timetable for his return. I actually uh, did some research, and I came across a doctor named Michael H. Song, who has a website called advancedneurosurgery.net where he actually talks about post-op instructions for this particular surgery. And it's actually, it's funny by mistake. Like, it's not supposed to be funny. Like, for example, uh, you know, it, one, of the, one of the things here is like no sexual activity for the first two weeks and things like that. But it does say do not engage in strenuous activity for at least 10 weeks after surgery. And I, I think pro wrestling is pretty damn strenuous. Yeah. So I'd say he's at least three months out. If they say no no strenuous activity for at least 10 weeks, he's got to be at least three months out. Yeah, I'll, so. I'll plug our post-Raw show. This is virtually what we said on that show. Like, because a lot of people <coughs> all day were like, he's out for a year. He's out for a year. And I'm like, whoa, 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 chill out. Yeah. Because from what I understood, Dave Meltzer just said, the type of surgery that a Lita, Rhino, Edge, Chris Benoit got would put you out for a year – that doesn't mean that. I've been through it myself, and because I'm not taking bumps every day, right. I didn't have to get surgery. Right. I did some yoga, did some decompression. He has to lift people up over his head right. almost every day of his life, and yep. trust. they have to trust their lives in his hands. So I would imagine, and this is just me speculating, that he said, okay, it's been – because it's been almost a month from what I understand that this has been going on. Yeah, They tried to make it work, didn't work, go ahead, get the surgery, be done with it. 
it's going to be a bummer. I hope he's factored into WrestleMania somehow, even if it's like a guest appearance, like yeah. like a run-in, something like that, because, man, I have enjoyed him. I mean, that's only two months, months away. I don't know. I don't know. It, it could be, it could be tough. I mean, he's pretty young. Isn't he still in his like late 20s? Yeah, I think so. He's pretty young. So it's, it's too bad that he's getting that so young. I mean, then again, look at Paige. I mean, you never know when it can happen, right? And so. Paige, her life and career change because of it and yeah. that's why i said so many times leading up to page page's return and her return i, I mean i can't uh, you can probably find me saying it a dozen times in our podcast how is she gonna hold up because this is uncharted territory mm. for a woman that age to come back and try to work a full-time schedule with a neck injury like that yeah and a lot of people pointed at lita oh, come on lita was a little bit different yeah. uh, she was always rough around the edges took bumps flat on her back never threw her arms out like a lot of stuff like that and was never full-time on that schedule like uh-huh. Paige was going to be so uh here's to hoping jason jordan gets better because i i had a lot of hopes for him uh-huh. i wanted to see him and rollins at wrestlemania because i thought that he had earned that and rollins was the right guy to bring out the best in him yep i think so and and uh, in, a, in a really strange way seeing what's happening to him now, not only with his character development prior to the injury, but now he's going to be out for a few months. I thought of The Rock for some reason. When The Rock wasn't getting over as a baby face, I think it was a knee injury in his case, wasn't getting over as a baby face, had a knee injury, came back a few months later, joined the Nation of Domination, became you know one of the biggest things in, in, in all pro wrestling as a heel. Jason Jordan, the, the fan base is ready for him to be a heel. I think yeah. he's going to be embraced as a heel. He's got the face of a heel, for God's sakes. Look at the face on that guy. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I think it's going to be really good for him. And we'll see. I mean, if he's good enough to go Mania, maybe he could at least run in and Kurt, cost Kurt the match or something, right? Yeah, that's what, I'm, so, that's what I'm hoping. Costing Kurt or Seth the match and right, right. maybe going away for a while. I thought that was the best way to write him off TV, too. Right. Just having Kurt saying, go home, you're grounded. He was like a scolding father. He was. Yeah, yeah he was. Kurt is so underrated. I mean, that Hall of Fame speech... He's so underrated with his ability to do that. The only thing that I hate is that he has to follow uh, scripted promos. Yeah, they, you, they aren't usually good for him. And you saw on Raw, he forgot that it was called an Elimination Chamber match when he was announcing the Women's Elimination Chamber match. And it's because sure he, had to, he had to remember so much shit, you know? If they would just give him the bullets, okay, here's the girls in the match. They're going to be on the screen anyway to kind of help you. And just give him the bullets, he would have hit it no problem. But they want him to remember so much shit. You know? It's it's the overproduction of WWE. It's why no, nothing feels natural and organic and real. Right, right. So uh, I guess we'll talk about the Elimination Chamber now. So on Raw this week, Roman Reigns and The Miz both qualified. Uh, Reigns beat Bray Wyatt. The Miz beat Apollo Crews for some damn reason. Don't know why he was in the, uh, the tournament or whatever you want to call it, but whatever. So now, officially, Reigns, Cena, Braun Strowman, Elias, and The Miz have all qualified. Next week, they're going to do a second chance Fatal 4-Way, which is interesting. It's something different. Uh, second chance fiddle four way featuring the four guys that lost the qualifying matches: Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt, Matt Hardy, and Apollo Cruz. The winner's going to get added, and they're going to be the last guy added to the match. Uh, and then they announced that Alexa Bliss is going to defend the women's title in a women's chamber match against Sasha Banks, Bailey, Mickey James, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville. <clears throat> and they're doing this whole gimmick now with uh, oh, Curtis sexist, and Hulk and Brock doesn't have to defend his title. And what do you think? Do you think they're going to pull Alexa out now and put somebody else in, and then they they challenge her at Mania? Do you think they're going to change it up? No, I think she's going to be in that match. That she should be too. It will have been four months since she defended that title, and yeah. you know, a lot of times I don't care about that. I mean, in New Japan, they don't defend their title every month or anything yeah. like that. No, Brock but... Lesnar doesn't either. Not every month. Sure. 
Do you think? You, sorry, I was going to say. Do you think that they did that to turn Alexa back heel? I think she's always been a heel. No, they they did the little babyface swing with her for a little while. At least they they attempted to do a little. Baby yeah, face they swing they don't remember that. <laughs> they don't remember that far back. She's a better heel. She is a better heel. And then, as we kind of touched upon, they're going to do Oscar versus Nia Jax, uh, and if Nia Jax wins, she's added to the uh, women's title match at WrestleMania. Uh, I still can't believe that they had Nia kind of promo saying, "I'm the only girl on the roster you can't beat." But yeah, it's dumb. Uh, it's, it's so stupid. Dumb. It's so stupid. So um, we might be starting to see the continuation of the shift, Sean, from the Vince McMahon era to the Triple H era. Yeah. And I'm all for it. I am. I'm all for it. So PW Insider reported today, actually, February 7th, that Vincent Man has handed the reins of 205 Live over to Triple H, uh, which is interesting. So he's already got NXT. A lot of the guys in uh, 205 Live are from NXT, so it kind of makes sense. And uh, Triple H apparently is a bigger believer of uh, in-ring style and presentation, while Vince is a bigger believer in character-driven uh, entertainment. And that's why he had Enzo Amore on that brand, is because he thought that's what the show needed. <clears throat> and to Vince's credit, Enzo is what kind of elevated the popularity of the show, which that's a whole other story about, I guess, the problem with the Cruiserweight concept this day and age. But um, on 205 Live this week, Roderick Strong debuted in the tournament, and he beat Hideo Itami in the first-round match. thought it was a great match. thought it was solid, uh, a really solid, hard-hitting match. Problem is, the crowd had already sat through SmackDown. They had already sat through the mixed-match mixed challenge. They had already sat through Callisto's match earlier in the show, by the time they got to Roderick Strong's match, they just didn't care. I this mean, is what just... I've been saying forever. Put 205 <laughs> Live on before Raw or SmackDown when the crowd is hungry for action. This will get right. them pumped up. It will get them ready to go. I would I would go a step further. I would. Do you remember a couple of months ago when it looked like Kalisto had a black version of the Cruiserweight title? Yes. I would change that strap to black. That purple strap, like, it, it is just so, to me, it's so tied to... Enzo Amore and his his crap, and it's tied to TJP's failed push. Like they they had just a guy on there dabbing. Are you okay, Walter White? I've been sick. I've been sick, and when you know, I got a tickle in my throat now, right in the middle of this show. I might actually have to ask Nigel to get me some water here. In Hit a minute, the mute but... button. How do you do anyway, that? It's it's tied to Austin Aries wanting to leave. It's tied to Neville wanting to leave. Yeah. It's tied to all this negativity and this failure and. I've said it before. WWE has tried to make 205 Live work. If yeah. they had Neville, Austin Aries, Enzo Amore up at the top of that division and maybe a Rey Mysterio like they want, I don't mm. know if he'd be in that division, but man, that would be – I mean it already is the best in-ring show. And that's saying something because I thought Monday Night Raw had some great in-ring wrestling. And it's funny that you mentioned the character-driven versus the in-ring and stuff. Mm. I thought uh, the the very little bit of talking we saw on Monday and the – uh, the major amount of wrestling that the we saw, matches, yeah. it helped get those people over. That's the that's the most I've cared about Bailey since her title run. Right was right. was that match with Oscar. Right, and again, it goes back to what we said for so long about accentuate the strengths and hide the negatives. And a lot of these guys today just can't cut promos. So why why would you give them a promo segment when they just can't do it? Right. One other thing that just popped in my head. I don't want to ask you about. It. So you know how uh, last week on SmackDown they started doing those pre-tapes where they would have the graphics on the screen for all the words they were saying, right? Yeah. Uh, Raw this week they did a couple of those selfie promos to to promote the mixed match challenge, but they didn't have the graphics on the screen like Goldust and Mandy Rose. They didn't have. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill the graphics on the screen then smackdown same exact promo they had the graphics on the screen what the hell what's going on so this is clearly a smackdown directive there's a lot of weird smackdown directives there's a lot of weird directives on each individual show like that's got to be smackdown directive you know and i and i just watched that god i wish i wish they made themselves available to the media so bad yeah because when i saw raw when i saw raw i actually thought okay cool they figured out how stupid it is and they've and they've cut the graphics, but then on SmackDown they did it again. So I don't understand, man. I don't understand. I, I wish I wish I had an answer. Like I said, once I again, if just... this is a road dog thing, if this is a road dog thing, it's time for you to go to the performance center, take some production classes. It's stupid. All right, people don't like it. It's dumb. WWE start doing some media pressers once a month. Just once a month, let the media. Just talk to you, address some things, get some stuff out. Yeah, that there. wouldn't go over well. That wouldn't. Go it over wouldn't. Well. One other thing about one other th- thing about uh, the cruiserweight thing that I wanted to bring up uh, to get your thoughts on. So, um, do you think that one of the problems with the, and I feel like we talked about this before, but do you think one of the problems, aside from the fact that they treated it like a sideshow act, they gave it purple ropes, they basically made it a tarnished brand early on because of some of the decisions they made. Do you think another issue is that there are too many guys on the main roster that are not part of the cruiserweight division that wrestle the exact same style? I don't. I don't think that helps, especially when they're under two hundred and five pounds. Right, right. Like a Finn Balor and Xavier even Woods, Seth I, Rollins. Seth Rollins wrestles like that. Yeah, Xavier Woods, I think, is at the two hundred five lot, the two hundred five limit as well. Right. So it's it's a little odd. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I I saw the Roderick Strong match because I heard he was going to be on and I just wanted to kind of check it out and. Uh, I just watched it, and I kept thinking to myself, this is like any Raw match to a degree. It was a good match. Well, I do want to say that they, they are a bit restricted. Because if, get... if that match had, had happened in PWG, there'd be a lot of different stuff in that oh, match. Oh, I, I, I understand that. I get that. But I'm just saying from a presentation standpoint, it's no different than what you see on Raw most weeks. And I think – that like how does that, how does that help the, the cruiserweights when they are you know working under that – that notion. So, yeah. So let's talk about mixed match challenge. So uh, I want to ask you this. So now it's like what three weeks in? 
I think. Yeah. Three or you, four weeks. You hated the concept. You shit all I over did, the I concept. I didn't hate the yes, concept. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You said it's trash. You said it's trash and I don't care. It's trash and I don't care. I said I don't care and I don't care. Do you – because i got to tell you. <laughs> said I shit all over it. Yes, he did, Nigel. He shit <laughs> all over it. I mean, I, you didn't. You didn't like ver, like literally shit all over it. You didn't take a logo and shit all over it. But you said you hated the concept and it was dumb. And you didn't care. That's what you said. I find myself kind of digging it, man. Didn't say it was dumb either. Yeah, you I, did. I, yes. Okay, you're gonna have to go back and find the clips, Nigel. Okay. Yeah, Nigel. Go back you and do find that. the clips and then put together like a like a like a thing, you know, of, of all the clips, like a like a montage. You know, a week roughly? I'll find it for you. Okay. I'll find it for you, yeah, because he absolutely said it. I find myself kind of digging it. And, uh, yeah, he's laughing because he knows you're full of shit. That's why he's laughing. He knows you're full of shit. Maybe that's why I'm laughing, too. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I uh, So so this week, Jimmy Uso and Naomi beat Goldust and Mandy Rose in a first-round match. You know what I think of the Usos. Uh, Naomi's Love all right. Him. Yeah, Naomi's okay, but one thing that, I, that killed me about that match, Goldust actually bumped off the rear view from Naomi. He bumped off the rear view, Sean. Like, it's yeah. just so stupid. But what I loved about Mixed Match Challenge this week is that Rusev and Lana came out. And they came out to say, oh, we're the best husband and wife team and you guys aren't and all that kind of stuff. And Rusev now, man, he's in his element now. Like, the crowd is with him. He's showing his personality now. And uh, I find them fun together. I've, I've said before, they got to put them back together. And next week's going to be interesting because next week they're going to do Rusev and Lana against Bailey and Elias. That's an interesting matchup, I think. Although Lana well, can't, I didn't shit all over it. Yes, you did. The, I, I think that the, the promos have made them a ton of money. Probably they've probably already turned a profit off the promos that they've done and all that stuff because those have been doing crazy views, hmm. crazy views. You mean like turning over the car and that kind of stuff? Yeah, stuff? like some of those are getting like one million views. Like it's nuts. Like raw stuff doesn't get that a lot of the times. I like. Some of the, the production on there, because as I mentioned, they don't do the Zooms and all that stuff. I like the the integration of, of like the men and the women and some of the interactions that we had there. And I hope some of that carries over to the Raw program. Like the Miz runs into Asuka backstage, and maybe maybe Maurice has a problem with her, but Miz is like, I'm cool with her. I'm cool right. with her. You notice that they mic'd them up? Yes. Well, and kind of. Well, they kind, kind of, of yeah. mic'd them up. They, they yeah. just... They turned the volume up on the ring mic, is what they did. Well, because I was, I was, I was, you know, how do they cover when they're working? Like, do they just turn, they know when to turn it down? Well, they have, they have a ring mic and they turn it up. I think they may have, I, this is me speculating, but yeah. I think they have two and they use the one that's turned up for uh, these videos. But they're getting a lot of decent content out of this. And I don't know what kind of money they're getting out of the Facebook watch deal, but. I don't it know if it's like considered it's... successful either. Like, does Facebook consider this a success? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to find out more about it and all that stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun concept now. It's, it's, it's unfolding pretty well. But I mean, I, I've, I've actually been, along. I've been digging it. And, and, you know, even though you know that I'm, I'm not crazy about Braun Strowman acting too much like a typical baby face, uh, which he has been doing a little bit. And, and with Alexa Bliss, I will admit, it was so stupid. Did you see the post-match after the mixed match challenge? And they were suggesting that they're going to sleep together and stuff. And uh, Really? Yeah. So what they did was uh, Braun said to Alexa in the ring, live in the ring, he said, you know, you're kind of cute. Alexa said, you're kind of cute too. And then she said to Braun, Braun, we're going to go all the way. 
and Braun is like acting all bashful, and then she said to the finals of the tournament or something, and I just thought Goldberg would never have gone for anything like that. Yeah, but Goldberg wouldn't have gone for anything because Goldberg had a giant ego. I know, but I, I still I question if Braun should be going in that direction. Especially yeah. when then he's back on Raw on Monday motoring to the ring like a badass again. This this is a different era though. I mean like I guess. Goldberg did do Santa Slay and all that crap too. Yeah. And yeah. he put the gold dust wig on once, didn't he? Yeah, I don't think he was happy about that. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah. Alright, let's go to stupid people. This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Alright, TrevorStrong.org, thanks for the usage of the stupid song. Once a month, I like to do a little explanation of as to why the hell we do this segment. Uh, for any new viewer that might be uh, tuning in or any new listener. So we used to do a segment on the show, show called WWE's Excessive Usage of Stupid Nicknames. Uh, talking about how many times Michael Cole says it's boss time and it's the big dog and the, all this other nonsense, the Kingslayer, the architect, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. We stopped doing it because it never changed. If anything, it got worse, so it became redundant. And we uh, segued it into the Stupid People segment. We've been doing that ever since. And we're going to continue it even though it's not pro wrestling because we just like it, Sean. Yeah. You know? So I got, I got some good ones again and I got another one for the Sean Ross app file, damn it. I'm always I mean, it's, looking a weekly, for them. it's a weekly thing, man. I, well, yeah, but I had a week where I wasn't able to find one, and I was bummed because, you know, I should always be able to find one. Yeah. There should always be stupid people news about, like, penises and shit. Yeah, and, uh, like Pro Wrestling Writer takes a dump on Mixed Match Challenge logo. Like that, like that, yeah. Well, we're going to have a news story up about that. So this first one was reported by the News Tribune out of Tacoma, Washington on January 30th. This is good. A 20-year-old man... <laughs> 20-year-old man placed an order for pizza using a fake name. Then when the delivery person... You're nodding. Did you see this one? No. Okay. Then when the uh, delivery person showed up, he robbed them at gunpoint. Oh. Well, here's, here's the big problem. Here's the big problem. Number one, he used his cell phone to place the order. He had placed an order via his cell phone four days earlier using his real name. He had the order go to his real address. And so, as you can imagine, it was just a matter of minutes before the police showed up, tracked him down, and he was arrested on first-degree assault and first-degree robbery. Plus, they determined that that gun that he used was stolen. Like, it's real hard to commit crimes these days and get away with it. Like, Well, but if you're going to be a fucking moron, it's yeah, going to make, you mean, know, it's harder to get away with it, Sean. There, there are security cameras and, uh, like, tracking devices all over the place. And cell phone apps that you used four days earlier to put in a real order. Yeah, that doesn't help. No, no. Papa so, John's went and busted his ass. That's right. Maybe Peyton Manning did it. You never know. Probably. This next one was reported by the United Press International, or UPI, on February 3rd. Now, I am not political. This is not a political statement. And this is not the Trudeau one, but we're going to get to that. Okay. Uh, this is another political one. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is not a political thing. I'm just telling facts. That's all I'm doing. Now, there have been several examples over the years, and I know you know what I'm talking about, Sean. I know Nigel knows what I'm talking about, of politicians and celebrities. And they say stupid things because they're out of touch with reality. Yes. Right? So they'll say something stupid about, you know, somebody's finances or something just because they're so out of touch. So there's a gentleman by the name of Paul Ryan. Oh, you know now what I'm talking about? I know. Okay. Where this fella. So Paul Ryan is a speaker of the House in Washington. He was the uh, Republican vice presidential candidate alongside Mitt Romney in 2012. 
Last Saturday, you talk about out of touch, okay? Last Saturday, he posted this on Twitter, and this is a quote. A secretary at a public high school in Lancaster, PA, said she was pleasantly surprised her pay went up by $1.50 a week. She said that will more than cover her Costco membership for the year. Now, the reason that he posted that is because he was trying to boast about the success of a recently passed tax reform bill. And he thought that posting a tweet about how a woman's pay went up a buck fifty a week was actually going to be a positive thing to say, to, to brag about this, this tax reform bill. As you can imagine, he got shit on hard, Sean. Hard. Oh, yeah. And he pulled the tweet down. How out of touch do you have to be to think that a buck fifty a week is oh, yeah. going to make a difference in somebody's life? How out of touch do you have to be? I mean, unless they're at the very, very, they're struggling, right. man. That's a dollar fifty a week. Even if you're struggling, yes. what are you going to get? A cup of coffee? Uh, ramen noodles, maybe. Ramen noodles, yeah. Two ramen noodles. You can't you even get it. microwave lasagna for that, Sean. And you never answered me in regards to that. Am I allowed to expense that as podcast fodder? Why the hell should you be allowed to expense microwave because lasagna? It's podcast fodder. I'll tell you what. Tell you what. If you will actually. Make actually, your own. I'd rather not. That shit is disgusting. No, well, listen. Hear me out. Hear me out. If you will actually go out, uh, make your own pasta noodles, lasagna pasta noodles, make your yes. own, uh, get your own meat, your own cheese, your own cottage cheese, everything, and make your own homemade lasagna, you can expense that. Well, <laughs> surprise, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> I make my own lasagna all the time. Lies, lies. Okay. I do. Putting it in the microwave, putting it in the microwave for. Putting it in a microwave for three minutes does not count as making your own lasagna. No, I take the noodles out. I don't. I don't do noodles. I use like squash and vegetables like that to get rid of the carbs. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. You don't use. You don't use pasta. You make whole whole wheat pasta. Yeah, but I mean, I, just the carbs are still a little too much for me. I, right. I don't get to be as active as I used to be. I'm working a lot, Jimmy. Working a lot. All right. All right. This last one. This is for the Sean Ross Sap file. Hell yeah. It was reported by the New York Post on January 4th. So there is a cosmetic treatment that is gaining popularity in Thailand. Oh, I can't wait. And it's being done at a hospital in Bangkok. Uh, and this hospital is actually promoting the procedure on Facebook. They've actually started promoting it on Facebook. <coughs> it is Why? Late... You can't hit the mute button? I'm so... I don't know where the hell the mute button is. Damn. I don't know where it is. Now it's going to show me. It is laser penis whitening. I'm sorry, I still got a cough. I got a tuckle in my throat. <coughs> According to the AFP news agency, the clinic averages 100 patients a month paying 650 US for five laser sessions. They claim they use the same pigmentation laser equipment that they use for other skin treatments. And they actually started doing it because they were already doing uh, vagina whitening services. And they claimed that people coming in for that were getting requests, or they were making requests to get penis whitening treatment. And uh, doc- doctors are coming out saying it's very risky. You can end up with severe burns. You can end up with scarring. And you could even end up with a penis darker than, than the one you started out with. But it's become, a, it's become a trend in Thailand. What are we doing wrong? That people getting their, their ding-dongs lasered white. That's right. Drawing 65K a month. Try it. You did the you math me, on you, that. You want, me to, oh, you want me to try the laser thing? Is that uh, what you're saying? I mean, you're already pretty white. I don't know, man. Do you have that problem? He doesn't know how to answer just... that one, Nigel. 
I do, I'm just this is this has got me baffled. I'm speechless. Yeah, yeah. It's a thing now, man. Matter of fact, if you want to go ahead and look it up, uh, laser penis whitening. Because I know you're big into the Google here when we're doing the podcast. Go ahead. Yeah, and I'm big on the, on the laser penis whitening too. That's that's a thing. I bet you that if he puts it in his search bar, it's going to come up in his history. <laughs> I, I just type in L.A. and it's like yeah, boom, boom. <laughs> okay, I got I got to tell you a quick little story. Got to tell you a quick little story. So, uh, do you remember the old satellite dishes where you could get like the free to air ones where you could basically get stuff for illegally? Yes. Right, and they had the boxes, the illegal boxes, and you had to put in a code whenever it changed. Right. Yes. <laughs> Years ago, I was at a buddy's house, uh, and we were watching. Uh, it was a Randy Couture fight on his little dish that he had. And right when the fights were starting, the box went out. And we had to go on the internet in order to uh, try to find the new code. I opened up his laptop, and all I put in was a W for WWW. I put in a W, and like 35 porn sites came up in his history. Just <laughs> boom! <laughs> just like that. And I, I looked at him, and I was like, what the hell are you spending your time on? What and was, he was the weirdest one? What was the weirdest oh, one? I, I didn't take the time to... <laughs> To focus on each one, I just saw them all come up, and he looks at me and he goes, "I mean, you know, I'm, I'm between girlfriends, Jimmy. What can I say?" The, the probably the best that I remember. I'll put him on blast too. My friend Monty Young, naming the guy. He came over. He used my friend Brandon's new computer. It was YouTube was pretty new back then, huh? and he was the first one to use it. We type in G, and it fills out girls fighting with titties out. <laughs> And I thought, huh? <laughs> so now, anytime I'm a World Star fan, I love World Star. I love like, I like Street Fight videos. Anytime one of those pops up, I'm tagging him immediately. Oh, yeah, Here yeah, you yeah, go, yeah. found it for you. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. <laughs> Do you follow in any way Canadian politics? Very little. Okay, so tell me what I you mean, do know. Eventually, you will move me there, so I need to. All right. So you at least know, like, the, the gentleman uh, at, in the highest office. He's not a president. Do you know the term Trudeau, that we yes. use? Yeah, but you, he's not a president. You know the term that they use for him, the prime title? Minister, right? Prime minister, right. So Justin Trudeau is our prime minister. And once again, this is not a political statement, just facts. That's all I'm doing here. This is not a political statement. Justin Trudeau, he's been doing these town hall events. Uh, and what he does is he goes to various cities in Canada and he sits in the middle of kind of like a little, uh, you know, arena type thing. And he takes live questions from people. And I give him credit for having the balls to do that because it takes balls. Especially, yeah. I don't think these people are vetted, Nigel. Oh, I don't think. Rough. Yeah, I don't think they're vetted. I think he literally sits in his chair and then whoever wants to ask a question, they get a mic and they stand up and ask a question. Like a, like a UFC Q&A event. Terrible. Like a UFC Q&A event, yeah. And so imagine the balls it takes when you don't know what's coming, right? The problem is um, Justin Trudeau is not the quickest on his feet. And so he's taking a lot of heat this week because he said some things that uh, were a little bit questionable. And there's a wrestling comparison to one. So he was in Edmonton, Alberta, the home of my Edmonton Oilers, who are going to miss the playoffs this year, but that's okay. Shame. And uh, a woman stood up, asked a question that took her, like, what, 18 minutes to get out, Nigel? It was painful. Yeah, it was bad. But uh, part of her question, she used the word mankind. Justin Trudeau, who I think he's just trying to make everybody happy. He's trying to, you know, appease everybody. He actually cut her off and he said, and this is a direct quote, we like to say people kind, not necessarily mankind because it's more inclusive. Right? 
And, Jesus Christ. And Nigel's laughing, and Nigel's already well aware of this, and, and yet he's still laughing because it's so stupid. So the internet, worldwide, like worldwide media shit all over him, uh, and they were joking around with, well, maybe the province of Manitoba now, we should rename it Peopletoba. Uh, man witch, you know, to make man witches, sloppy people joes, witch. people witch, yeah, right? There is a small satire website called the Daily Mire, and they actually uh, retweeted my tweet uh, about this. They posted a photo of of Mick Foley as mankind, about to hit Trudeau with a steel chair in the back because, uh, and the, and the, the the big thing was because Trudeau was trying to ban mankind, so they had Mick Foley about to hit him with a steel chair from the back. So I wanted to throw that reference. I think you have the photo. Yeah. Let people see the photo. Oh, yeah, it's up there now. Oh, it's up there now? Okay. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was just a great little thing. And Trudeau now is trying to, like, spin his wheels and, and say, oh, no, no, it was, it was a joke. It was a, it was a poorly worded joke. It wasn't a joke. He was serious. It's just something that he said. So. People get so goddamn stupid over politics. Yeah, and again, I, I just think he feels the need to appease everyone, and you can't appease everyone. And, and you know what? Let me tell you something, man. I'm, I'm not American, and, and I don't really care too much about who the U.S. president is. Uh, Trump has done and said a lot of stupid shit, yeah. but, but at least from the very beginning, he didn't hide who he is. And if you, I, don't, if you don't like what I say, well, that's, that's what I say. I got to say, like, there were so many people who got straight worked. I'm talking W-E-R-K-T worked. <laughs> By that Alexa Bliss sexism promo. It really? did exactly what it was supposed to be. Somebody popped on our YouTube and said, I'm tired of this fucking SJW bullshit, bunch of conservative bullshit. And I was like, wait a second. You're accusing Vince McMahon right. of pushing a liberal agenda? Right. To quoi? To The man who spent nine figures trying to put his wife in Republican office before yeah. Donald Trump came along and did it. Yeah, that yeah. guy? Yeah. Okay. Okay, buddy. At one, one time that, or another that in storyline. That deserves a... <laughs> you know, at, at one time or another in storyline, Vince McMahon's character had sex whoa, with whoa, every whoa. beautiful woman in the company. Vince, Vince McPeople. I'm sorry. Vince McPeople. <laughs> Shout out to Judgment in our live chat. That was actually very clever. Did, did is, he, is he the one that said that? That was very clever. Vince so McPeople. Did you insensitive prick. I wish I had a thought of that. Vince McPeople. That's actually really good. So there you go. So let's talk about New Japan. Yeah, New J- Access TV has announced that they're going to air the Strong Style Evolve show live uh, from Long Beach, California, March 25th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Second place. Shit was looking foggy for a while. They were having some trouble coming to a deal, I'm told. Really? Because I, I thought it's I thought it was it's been known for a couple weeks. It just wasn't official. Nope. No, it wasn't official. Well, I mean... As of January 4th, like when they were airing the Wrestle Kingdom stuff, they didn't have a deal in place at all. Okay. They were still hashing it out. Well, they got it done now. It's going to take place at the Walter Pyramid, which is owned by the local university there. Uh, Apparently, they have 4,500 arena seats, but they can accommodate up to 8,000 with added seats. So for pro wrestling, you'd think they could probably do that. And uh, tickets sold out in 20 minutes, but I heard that that was in part because the prices were a little lower than they should have been. And that, that contributed. Now, one thing, we've talked about this before, especially now that's going to be live on Access TV. March 25 is a open date in Fozzie's touring schedule. It is. Do you think Chris Jericho is going to be live on Access TV at that show? I would I would guess yes. I don't know that he will, but yeah. Also, they're pretty much a sister promotion, Ring of Honor. The night right. of UFC 
and the night of NXT TakeOver. They're running Super Card of Honor with Kenny Omega versus Cody headlining. Yes, heard about that. Mother of God, I'm probably doing three shows that night. Right, right. Yep. What a night. That's, that is a psycho weekend. We got yep. uh, <clears throat> Matt Riddle's Bloodsport, by the way. I'm going to talk to Matt Riddle ahead of that show. So y'all get to hear from the bro again. But there you go. New Japan, man, that's that's whew, that's good news. Now, speaking of Jericho real quick, he did a Reddit MMA, uh, MMA, AMA, uh, this past week. Uh, you, you see all the news, so you probably saw this, but in case you didn't, he said that one person declined being interviewed on his podcast. One person. I'm assuming you already know, because you probably already saw the story. I ran an article on it, Jim. Oh, that was you that did the article? Okay. Yes. All right. So then you already know. If somebody had said to me, if I didn't read the article, and if somebody said to me, can you name the one person that declined doing Jericho's podcast? I probably would have said Randy Orton. Yeah. Uh, and it was Randy Orton, because he has, the, he has the reputation of being a bit of a dick. Yeah. So. He said that, that Liger flaked on him, too. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, Liger flaked on him. How's his English? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would be surprised if they didn't, like, at some point this year, work a Liger-Chris Jericho match. Because why wouldn't you, with that history that they've had, yeah. just go ahead and tie it up. I think it's something that they would they would uh, like doing. You think they'd ever do uh, Pillman Jr.? Liger? Eventually, he's he's real, real, real young. He's but I mean, green, he went yeah. tra- got trained by by Lance Storm. I also talked to Raven about that too, because he's a he's a buddy of. Uh, or actually, we talked about Brian Pillman, and yeah. that came up because we were mentioning the WCW light heavyweight division, and yep. there are three for three big names at the time. Raven is Scotty Flamingo, Brian Pillman, and Jushin Thunder Liger. That is quite the start of a light heavyweight division. Well, Pillman and Liger, that match got a lot of like even today, it's still talked about. Yeah. You know, so we got a lot good. of play back in the day. Uh, you uh, you posted a story. I actually did notice that you posted this one, Sean. You posted, <laughs> you posted a story this week. Uh, it, was, it was initially reported by BuzzFeed that the USA Network now allows usage of the F word without censorship. And uh, when I when I saw that story, obviously WWE's PG, and so they have their own internal censors. They're probably not going to allow it. They still do seven second tape delay and everything, so they're probably not going to allow it on their own programming. But uh, do you think? That because they allow it, that maybe a guy like Brock Lesnar is able to skip the internal sensors, hits the airwaves free and clear. I think it'll take a little pressure off of of the person with the button on the the delay. Other than that, I don't think they'll do it. I think Vince dropped an F-bomb a couple years ago in the Shane storyline. Right. And, boy, let me tell you, the the number of F-bombs dropped in my mentions just celebrating this news. Oh, yeah. I mean, Brian Rose, uh, who will be finishing up with this soon, he was like, hey, I'm going to put this in a fight size update. And I said, oh, no, no. That gets its own because I know how people act about this type of stuff. Yeah. And uh, accordingly, it did very well for us. But uh, they've done this in Mr. Robot and things like that. And a lot of people are like, well, WWE's PG, so it doesn't matter. This isn't like ESRB, like that the do video games and stuff. ESRB mandates and the MPAA mandates these ratings – and that's that. Yeah. WWE ultimately decides what is TVPG for them. Yep, yep. Yeah, Shawn Michaels pulling out an ass cheek could be TVPG to them. Right. Saying damn shit, hell, whatever, that could be PG to them. It is at their own discretion. And what they did was they, they moved it to TVPG, and the, their content did reflect that. There were major changes made. But I think a, a lot of that also was to scale back like how crazy things had gotten, too. That way they could kind of push the envelope again but 
No, it was it was it was done for sponsorship. Yeah, well, I mean that, that's that's the thing, and yeah. so they could eventually inch back in that regard as well. Yeah, because they they were losing out on like the main brand sponsorships, yes. and now they've been doing a good job of getting them. But then they go over the top like this KFC nonsense. Yeah, you know, I you know was who watching... should be the you know who should be the next KFC Colonel Raven Raven should be, and I spoke to him. The second segment you got that full interview coming up very soon to Fightful.com. Check it out. So when I came into WCW the first time as Scotty Flamingo, um, Dusty goes, so Dusty calls me in the, in the meeting. And it's me, uh, probably Magnum, Dusty, maybe one other person, maybe two, and DDP, because DDP kind of brought me in, you know? Yeah. And uh, so he goes, he goes, listen, he goes, uh, I got big plans for you, baby, big plans. He goes, I'm going to start you out, you know, because you got the cool dress, you know, the cool style. And uh, that, that was a Dusty Rhodes impression. I don't know if you could tell because it was so yeah. bad. But anyway, so he's like, yeah, that cool style. He goes, well, you're a cruiserweight, but you're a big cruiserweight. So I got, I, I figure we start you out as a cruiserweight, make you the champion. And then after a little bit, you start moving up to the heavyweight. And then you challenge Ric Flair because he's like all styling and profiling and and you have this cool style and dress. And I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm hearing this. DDP's kicking me under the table and we're and I'm trying to look just completely composed. So is DDP and he's kicking the crap out of me under the table because he's so excited. So am I. Still watch came in, that went down the toilet. <laughs> I know, it was so funny because even worse was I wasn't getting booked in the house shows much. Because they were the guys they were going to get rid of in the next six months. They were trying to give them as many bookings as they can. I get that. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't getting booked on house shows much. So when I finally was my turn to be on the house shows, that's when Watts came in and pretty much finished me up. So it's like, oh, man. Like, I was just finally starting to get somewhere. I always wondered, like, what was, you know, what that light heavyweight division could have become. Because uh, having... Yourself, Brian Pillman, Jushin Thunder Liger, and even Brad Armstrong, uh, that's a hell of a start. Well, Pillman was super excited because he was he was tired of having just matches. He wanted to have yeah. a program and storyline. And then at, at one point, like, he blew out his quads on one of his legs. Ooh. And uh, not, a, not, a, not a major injury. It wasn't a major blowout, but it was enough to kind of, you know, slow down his high flying a little bit. And he was really worried. And I was like, dude, don't worry about it. I go... Because this is when we thought we were going to have more storyline, which, you know, Watts came in and took care of. But uh, he goes, um, he goes, man, I'm not going to be able to fly as much. Our matches aren't going to be as good. I go, don't worry about it. I go, because I spent two years in Portland learning how to work, you know, from the, from the grappler, who's one of the best workers I've ever seen. And I learned all the tricks. And, so, and they were fresh in my head. And I'm like, man, I can walk us around all that. No one's going to miss any of that stuff. And he's like, but he was so used to being a high flying guy, all high spots that he was really concerned. But that's where he learned, you know, partially how he learned to start working. And um, and his favorite spot became this really goofy spot that he just became one of his like his go to ridiculous spot where uh, the heel goes for the handshake. Nobody even does this anymore. I don't think I never see it. But uh, I, I mean, I don't watch it on TV. But I don't. But at house shows, I never see it. But, the, you know, the old handshake spot where the heel puts his hand out and the baby face won't take it, won't take it. Finally, the heel goes, come on, trust me. 
milk it, milk it. Finally, the heel goes to kick. They shake hands. The heel goes to kick him. The baby face blocks it, kicks the baby face or kicks the heel, bumps him, whatever. Yeah. But instead of that, I showed. I think I showed him this. It was either that or Mike Graham, or maybe Mike Graham showed me and I showed him. But he goes. So you put the hand out, the handshake. The guy says the heel says the baby face says no, no, I don't want to do it. He puts out his left hand to shake lefty. Now the heel's perplexed. Why do you want to shake my hand left-handed? Now the heel's doing it. Should I do it? And the fans are all going, yeah, do it, do it. And he's like, I don't know. You know, but it's a cool role reversal. Sure. And then finally, finally the baby face, uh, the heel goes to shake his hands lefty. And because it's just shaking hands lefty, you take the right arm, you put it under the heel's shoulder, and you hip toss him. Ah. And, that's, and that's the payoff. And it's such a goofy spot. But Pillman loved it because it was so unlike anything he'd ever done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, like, became his favorite ridiculous spot. Yeah, I've told this story before, I think maybe Monday, when I announced that I got the interview with Raven. But I originally reached out to him last September when we moved to the, the guest format on Listen Your Boy. It's like, okay, I'll have him for that. Then I thought... Okay, I'll get him for the NWA feature because we kept getting pushed back because he was a former NWA champion. And that didn't happen, and I was like, okay, maybe maybe I can just get him for listing your boy again. Then all of a sudden, I, I'm doing this alternate commentary with Anna, and one of the matches that I had picked was that WrestleMania 17 match because it's so much fun. And then I'm doing the, this finisher series as well. So I, I got to talk to him in general and then for a couple of projects. He will be helping me out with some stuff in the future too because uh, – had a good time talking to him. That was a lot of fun. And uh, right, did that interview right in the middle of the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. You, you mentioned that. You mentioned yeah. that. So, you know, what What our YouTube viewers don't get to enjoy is that <laughs> while these clips are playing, uh, and you guys are all are either, if it's a live like video interview, you see that. If it's an audio interview, you just see a still image. Oh, I know what he's going to do now. I know what he's going to do. So while you guys were watching that, I got to see Sean's background. and he one of his. <laughs> one of his cats named Kofi made a cameo appearance, at least for me and Nigel, on the list on your boy. Walked into the shot, basically turned around, showed his ass, walked out of the shot. I just, I just invited him in, and usually he's like, "Hell yeah, bro! I'm going into the office. They're not allowed in here." Right. And he ran away. He turned around and ran away. Oh, well, good for him. Maybe he knows something that uh, we don't. So, Maybe. He hasn't signed uh, the lease either, so you know. Uh huh. Let's uh, one more quick thing I want to I want to ask you about before I get to I got some reader questions again listener yeah, questions. Yeah, submit some reader questions, guys. Yeah, I got some, but first I want to ask you about something. So uh, a website called wwenetworknews.com reported that there was a scene on the WWE 24 special about WrestleMania 33 that uh, came out on the network uh, this past week. They say there was a scene showing the Undertaker getting pain relief injections into his knee, and they had a still image showing Taker laying on a table, getting injections into his knee. Uh, and Taker, apparently there's a voiceover with Taker saying, you do those things to give the fans the best possible performance. That was cut from the documentary. Do yeah. you think that was done because WWE wants to shy away from, you know, any kind of pain medication, acknowledgement, yes. PEDs, anything like that? Yes, 100%. I think that's yeah. what they did. Uh, and. Did they say what kind? I mean, for all we know, it could have been like a cortisone shot or something like that. But right. I don't think they want to give the the image that they right. got to shoot their guys up before they go. Right. I, I know that back in the day, there was an ESPN show called Playmakers. Or, yeah, it was e Playmakers. And it was a football show 
but it was a drama. Mm-hmm. And you had Deion Sanders come out and say, well, this is remarkably realistic. Like you would see steroids and mm-hmm. drugs and like recreational drugs and people battling with their sexuality and domestic abuse. And the NFL was like, you pull this show or we'll pull, we're pulling our games. Right. WWE controls all that, yep. essentially. Yeah. Well, I remember outside years of, ago. Outside of a man, mountain, rock, homemade video. Well, yeah, I know you're talking about with that, too. I remember years ago, uh, WrestleMania 14, when Shawn had the bad back in the match with Steve Austin, all the documentaries that came out afterwards, they all talked flat out about how he was getting injected with cortisone shots before he went in the ring. Yeah. And they and they would use that in order to talk about the pain that he was in and what he had to wrestle through. But I guess it's kind of a different world now, you know? It is. So. And as it is a different world, I have Melvin <laughs> making... Does he not have a tail? The infamous. He doesn't have a tail. What happened? And Kofi is still off screen over here. Oh, yeah? Just trolling. What happened to Melvin's tail? We don't know. We got him like that. Oh, you we, got him like uh, that. Yeah, all of our cats are rescues. They're either they either were strays or uh, didn't have homes or something That's like cool. that. So we got him. Yeah, from That's cool. From downtown Maysville. Awesome. Good. So let's get to listener questions. The first Hell yeah. Thing, first thing I want to say right out of the gate, I want to apologize to Paul Clark. Uh, Paul Clark uh, had a question for us last week, and I mistakenly called him Paul Cook. So oh. uh, apologize for that, Paul Clark. Now let's get to the questions. Uh, the first one, this is from Simon at SI1927. He said, how would you guys feel about a new Heyman stable consisting of Brock, Ronda Rousey, and uh, Super King of Bros, Matt Riddle, maybe even add Filthy Tom Lawler in the future? Pretty badass stable, which could make all included huge like Brock and Elevate opponents. I think Ronda Rousey absolutely would fit in that stable. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if they do actually use Paul Heyman with Ronda Rousey. Matter of fact, I've seen her wear the Paul, I'm a Paul Heyman girl shirt in yes. the past. So I could see them using uh, Paul Heyman with Ronda Rousey. Matt Riddle, I think it's going to be a challenge uh, getting into the company, my personal opinion. As, as phenomenal of a worker as he is, and he looks like a star, I think his extracurricular activities are going to make it a challenge for him. Uh, but uh, What, what extracurricular activities? Uh, MMA? Aerobics. Aerobics? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certain vices. But uh, I think Ronda Rousey, I think Heyman would be a great idea, especially since Brock's part-time, Ronda's going to be part-time. They could keep Heyman on TV almost full-time, just interchanging between the two if they wanted to go in that that direction. But I will say this, uh, I would like to see Paul Heyman change things up because I feel he's stale. I feel he does the same thing with Brock all the time. And quite frankly, I've started tuning him out a little bit because it's always the same thing. I'm always waiting for Brock to do something. It's a, it's a lot of the same. It's like the Bray Wyatt thing. There's great like the delivery, right. but they, they say a lot of the same things over and over again. Agreed. Except maybe there's like a 10-second excerpt where they, they add something fresh in. Yeah, I agree. Agreed, yeah. And I, and again, I, I still believe that the reason Brock doesn't do live promos is because they're afraid of what he's going to say. And that's that's why they got Heyman there. But why don't they do more pre-tapes with Brock? They've done those, and those were fun. You know? So they could do more of that stuff. Anyway, uh, this next one, this is from Wadimus Prime. He said, uh, after the events of the Rumble Championship match, do you think Brock would even be interested in working with Braun? Do you and Sean Rossap think he may have sealed his fate, meaning Braun, for any hope of winning the Chamber to face Brock at WrestleMania? And he's talking about when Braun got overzealous, need Brock in the face. Brock then uh, punched him back in the face. No, I don't think Brock had a problem with it at all. I think that uh, Braun made a mistake. He got his receipt. As far as I know, Braun didn't complain. So you move on. And uh, I don't think Brock would have a problem wrestling with Mania whatsoever if, if he was asked to do it. Yep, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, 
Brock did what he had to do, and yep. then Braun slowed the F down. I will say this. I agree with that, but, I mean, Brock needs to remember when he for, – like, I'm pretty, pretty well known. He got a little lost in his match with Braun. Mm. And, like, you could see even in that this match, Braun was having to call spots. So I, I don't know uh, Early on, though, Braun was – like I've gone back and watched it once. Early on, Braun was really going fast. He was. Oh hell like, yeah, he was, he was. And and it was it was at the point where he was picking guys up for moves. I don't even know if they're ready. You yeah. Know? So I I I understand Brock uh, throwing that shot. And again, I think it always comes back to how is the guy going to react to it? How is he going to take it? And from what I understand, or from, I haven't heard of Braun complaining at all. So I don't see it being an issue. How about Brock? In the last six years that he's been back, hasn't had any like major injuries, even throughout. Like these physical, physical very physical, he very had. physical, and and it was mania a couple of years ago when he threw himself into the ring post because he wanted to get hardway color, mm-hmm. and threw himself head first into the ring post. A lot of guys, you know, you could be get a serious concussion from doing something like that. But Brock has a head like a freaking uh, computer monitor, yeah. So he uh, he was all right. Yeah, he's been he's been good, and he is very physical in his matches. So he's been fortunate. This last one, this is from Banged Up Abroad. Uh, do you guys think Ronda Rousey will main event WrestleMania? I think this is the year they might try and pull it off with Stephanie behind the wheel. Uh, I think if The Rock gets clearance from the insurance company due to the tag team match, then there's a chance that that, that, that match will main event, especially if Taker uh, decides not to go. Then I think there's a chance. I don't think they're going to want to do Brock and Roman last because the, sh- the crowd's going to shit on Roman Reigns. If The Rock doesn't get clearance and they decide to go in another direction, then no, I don't think that match will go last. Ronda's not ready for that spot on her own. So that's why you were right. You're right. Eventually down the line, I, I could see it happening, but maybe, but not this year. Yep. But again, if the Rockets clearance to do the tag match, that, that could for sure be a, a main event tag team match. That is, I, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's about all I got, man. Guys, submit those viewer questions. We have all kinds of cool features at fightful.com. Joe Holbert did a great one on Mark Hunt who fights this weekend. Myself and showdown Joe broke down like, <laughs> Very, very well, I thought, the co-main and main events this this weekend for UFC 221. James Lynch joining me this weekend for the post-show. We also went off on Mario Yamasaki. Did you see that? Lack I did see that. I did, and apparently she tore her ACL. Yeah, after the, the first did. round. Yeah, after, after that the was first another round. thing. It was so bad. Even me and Raven talked about it. Oh, really? Like Raven was like, "God, could you believe that shit?" Yeah, it was yeah, rough. It was bad. I, you know what? Now, I'm not defending Mario Yamasaki, and I guess we should probably explain to people what's happening. So there was a fight. Uh, you can pronounce the names better than I can, Sean. Priscilla Cachuera and Valentina Shevchenko. There you go. And Shevchenko essentially got the other girl in the crucifix. Uh, so she basically had her hands tied up, and she just repeatedly was punching her in the face over and over to the point that she was all bloodied up and swelling up and stuff like that. The 217 referee... strikes to one. And the referee, Mario Yamasaki, basically stood there and did nothing. Uh, and eventually uh, Shevchenko turned it into a submission and got the submission. But uh, I think that the corner is to blame as much as the referee because she tore her ACL There, there are the three, first round. There are three people to blame. There are the people who made the match between a woman who fought a weight class up and almost beat Amanda Nunes. A lot right. of people thought she did. Twice. And a girl who was in her first UFC fight. Right. And then... There's the corner who told her to get over it when she right. said that she tore her knee up. Right. Then there's Mario Yamasaki who didn't stop the fight, and then when she tapped, also didn't stop it. She had to tap again. Right. Me and Joe went off. Right. Right. Definitely check that out. We have a, a separate clip up. 
youtube.com slash Fightful. It is on our Facebook even. I, I've started to upload some clips there, and it's on the full Holy Smokes MMA podcast. My God, that was one of the worst beatings I've ever seen in my life. It was horrifying. Now, I remember when Brock Lesnar fought Frank Muir the first time, yeah. and the referee, what was his name? Uh, Dan, what's Steve, his name? Steve Mazzagotti, Steve, and he Steve is Mazzagotti. no longer around. Okay, but Steve Mazzagotti, so anybody that didn't see Brock Lesnar's first ever fight, he took Frank Muir down, he was on top, he was in control, and Mazzagotti made them stand back up. Uh, and, and Brock later on, when he went back and watched the footage, if you can even picture this, when Brock went back and watched the footage, he got so, he got so mad that on his way out of the room, he tore the door off its hinges. He tore the door off. Uh, my favorite thing was when he was re-watching that, and Mazzagotti shows up. He goes, yeah, there's Mazzagotti. Went hot tubbing with Frank Mir the night before. <laughs> I thought that was great. But, uh, but, but the one thing, though, about – so after that fight, the reason I'm bringing it up, after that fight, Dana White said Steve Mazzagotti will never referee again for the UFC. But it's not Dana White's decision. It's the, yeah. it's the Athletic Commission's decision. Mazzagotti continued refereeing, and I think uh, Mario Yamasaki will as well, unless the Athletic Commission's decide that uh, they're not going to license him. Yeah, Mazzagotti did until about 2013, and since then he's not repped any UFC fights. Our boy Frank Trigg showed up at, uh, a couple weeks ago, and he did an excellent job. And Mark Goddard is great. Herb Dean, he refs so much, you're going to have the good and the bad, but I like Herb I Dean. I like Herb Dean. I like him a lot. Beltran's good. Uh, Rosenthal was good until really the Munoz-Weidman massacre. But, oh, my God. Guys, uh, check out the Fightful Wrestling Weekly on Friday. Sometimes you'll miss some of the exclusives I do. Sometimes I'll have some information that doesn't necessarily fit into a full article. I drop about 1,000 words worth of exclusives every Friday morning on Fightful.com. Thursday mornings, we have the uh, Fightful Boxing Newsletter. If you guys are, like, dipping your toes into boxing a little bit, you got to read Carlos's Boxing Newsletter. It is unlike – I mean, they're – there's nothing like it online, and he does a great job with that. So definitely check that out as well. We've got rankings, uh, results, all kinds of news there. But Jimmy Van, what are you getting into this weekend? Uh, you know what, man? My whole family is still under the weather. I'm still under the weather, so I just want to get better. Yeah. And uh, my, my home rental continues, so that's kind of my focus right now. With all due respect to the wonderful people at your office, I am so glad I work by myself in a home office because I rarely get sick. And it's been going around this office. I, yeah. I feel like I've been sick for a month straight. All those all so. those straight white dudes you hire because you... – Yeah. <laughs> Sexist and racist, yeah. I, I just want to say, you know, all every white person is like, I'm a little Irish. Uh-huh. You went and got an honest-to-God Irish woman. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Who thought – that what did she say about the McGregor fight? She thought it was set up. That poor woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was pretty awesome. Sorry. If God, anybody it's... missed that, if anybody missed that quick, I brought her on after the McGregor Mayweather fight, and I told her, you know, there's a rumor that a lot of Irish people think that the fight was set up and that McGregor didn't actually lose, and she's like, oh, I totally believe that. Oh man. <laughs> no. Guys, follow us at Fightful Online cross platform Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, subscribe, like, thumbs up. We got all kinds of stuff over there. Lots of exclusives. Ya boys, breaking news all the time. Until next time, we're out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.